This is the 3rd and 30 Podcast, a coach's podcast where we believe opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen Manchapagata, and I'm joined alongside Coach Jason Chaddock, and we are back here again with another episode of the 3rd and 30 Podcast. So excited to bring it to you. Another show means another guest, and this one's definitely a doozy. Uh, You don't want to miss this guest. But before we get started, you guys know the drill. Coach Chaddock, how you doing? Coach P, I'm fired up and I'm doing spectacular. <laughs> Love man. the energy, man. We, Love it. Oh man, I'm bringing the heat today. Um, we, man, you know, we're we're really accomplishing a lot at work. Football, we are just learning and growing each and every day at football. We're having a, we're having a wonderful journey, and we're developing these student athletes, helping them on and off the field, building winners for life. And I'm going to tell you the most spectacular part now. This will be the final show that I record from sitting on the floor in a rental unit tucked up in a corner because I have no space in this place. We are moving to our house. So the next one I do, I will be in our new house. I'm, I'm excited, fired up. The family's excited. Um, you know, we're getting a wonderful football season. The kids, the kids back in Colorado as well, they're, they're about, you know, kicking off their football season now. Life's good. We're all learning. We're all growing. And um, most importantly, the show's clicking, man. I love it. I love the feedback. Every time we produce a show, I'm getting text messages or hits on social media, people people acknowledging the show, thanking us for it, talking about t- – I love when they talk to us about what they learned. That might be my favorite thing. When someone doesn't just say, hey, good show. When someone actually says, oh, hey, thanks so much for that show. Mm-hmm. I really like how so-and-so talked about this and you guys followed up. I learned about this and this, and now I'm going to try it in my life. That's my favorite part, Coach, learning. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to bring to you as the listeners, and that's what we're here to do as hosts is we want to bring you the information, hopefully educate you guys a little bit, but we're here learning too, and that's what it's all about. It's about learning, being more informed, not just in certain subjects, but in everything we can possibly... What's wrong with knowing... What's wrong with being informed about as much as you can possibly be informed on? I mean, there's no... There should be no limit. Um, And, I mean, that's awesome. And when it comes to student-athletes, so important to build and grow every single day. You, You never stay the same. You either get better or worse every single day, and it's it's important to teach us student athletes and and young our, our young children every day to strive to be better every single day strive to be better at something um that maybe you didn't do as good the day before so um i love it coach i mean yeah we're getting back to football here in colorado um it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting time um still uncertain you know every day still uncertainty and i don't think that's changed um throughout this time is is, is things are still uncertain but um you know, we we uh, we have a great guest that that talks about kind of uh, a state that we we she she coined a term, and I I don't want to I don't want to break it right here. I want you guys to listen to the interview to see, but um, she talks about someone telling her about the times that we're living in, and we're living in a diff- a certain type of pandemic, and um, I I couldn't agree with more of, of what she said. So um, I can't wait to bring her on. And to to have that this uh, have you guys um, listen to this conversation, um, it was so it was so fun to speak speak to this woman, and she is uh, um, got quite the background to say the least, Coach, and um, award winning producer, and and uh, working for the news station, and 
it's uh it's a pretty awesome story because um it, it, it may have not been uh premeditated but it was definitely a dream to end up where she's at and still so much more to go so without further ado let's go ahead and bring on our next guest this is assignment editor and content producer megan gallagher Joining us now on the 3rd and 30 podcast is a very special guest that Coach Chaddock and I have been extremely excited to bring on the show. We have a three-time Emmy Award-winning producer, an assignment editor, and a content producer for WKYC out in Northeast Ohio and NBC affiliate. Megan Gallagher is here joining us on the show. Megan, thank you so much for taking time out of, I'm sure, your extremely busy schedule to talk to a, a couple podcast hosts today. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Um, we're going to dive into the the three-time Emmy Award-winning producer thing because I know everyone's really <laughs> excited about that, including myself. But I want to dive right in to just kind of into your background and kind of what we do with all our guests on 3rd and 30 is we, we'd like to figure out more about you and your kind of your, kind of your journey um, through life and how you ended up where you are today out, in, um, out with uh, WKYC. Um, out in Ohio and also if you want to touch on some of your future goals and aspirations in the producing world but yeah you start off with your journey and your background and what led you to where you are today sure um so I mean I was always like like let's like go like way back uh always like into the arts and things like that and um was like you know comfortable on stage and things and um but wasn't like a straight A student like math was not my thing most subjects weren't my thing <laughs> and so um you know like when it was time to graduate it was kind of like all right what do I want to do but I always loved writing um and you know not quite like news writing but I always watched the news and I don't think it hit me until like honestly a few years into my career that I was like waking I used to wake up in the morning and like turn the news on and get well I was getting ready like in high school and I'm kind of like I don't really feel like a lot of kids did that <laughs> um but I didn't think anything of it at the time and um so you know that kind of molded me I decided to try out journalism at Bowling Green where I know um coach Jason also attended so it's great school um and they have a great journalism program um I had a lot of hands-on experience with you know learning how to shoot video uh conduct interviews write in a journalism style and just kind of like the ins and outs of the business um, and did a lot of that through our student media program called BG24 News, um, which honestly, that's where I got most of my experience. Like classes were great, but like learning to be a reporter basically was how I learned a lot about the business. Um, there was also a couple of required internships. So I had to take um, some internships with the local stations out there in Toledo and then um, graduated in 2014, started looking for a job. Um, I actually, it's funny, I, there's a Twitter thread right now going out about like, drop your first salary um, that you had in media and everyone's sharing stuff. And it's even like going through it myself, I'm just like, wow, like we, it, it's, it's slim pickings at first. So <laughs> I was definitely nervous looking for a job. Um, my first offer was in this small, small, so I don't like, I don't think I could never get there again if you asked me to. So, so I took a, <laughs> it's in Kansas and I took a, a plane to Kansas city. Um, then I took another propeller plane to 
this city where the station was and then drove like 45 minutes just to get to the station there are cows grazing like in front of it so <laughs> i was like wow that weekend, yeah it was crazy and that weekend was like kind of a shock for me like all right well this is this is what you want um but the, the pay was really low it was just a lot like a lot hit me at once but then um i kept applying and got a job in Toledo, uh, Ohio, and was great because I was still out there in Bowling Green, um, kind of, you know, transitioned from my college apartment to my first big girl apartment and learned a lot about the business there. Um, we didn't have a huge staff. We didn't have a huge, even like managerial staff. So I like learned from my coworkers, but I taught myself a lot along the way, just on my own, I think, like, which is why I hold I can hold so many titles now because I kind of was doing some of those anyways, um, but just wasn't you know just I was a producer, so I was the 11 p.m. show producer, um, and then uh, I had two years of that and knew I wanted to, I always knew I wanted to come back to Cleveland. Um, it's just you know like I said I used to wake up and watch the morning news and I, we watched it was a family tradition we always watched the news at dinner time um, I always watched Channel Three. So I knew that coming back, like, I really, I always loved WQIC. So um, it was a dream. And, you know, it happened. And uh, I've been now at KYC for almost, it'll be four years in March, which is really crazy. Um, I kind of had a moment this summer where I was like, I kind of have like this imposter syndrome sometimes of like, all right, well, you're still learning. Like, you're, you still got it. Like, you know, you're still, and it's always, and I was kind of like, wait, no, like, I've been doing this for a while. So, um, yeah, I've really gotten to do so much of that station. Um, assignment editor job is kind of where I'm like sitting at our front, sitting at our desk with um, the photographers telling them, you know, we need to shoot this. We need to shoot this today, knowing where they are at all times, following breaking news, calling to confirm stories um, and just kind of being like the liaison at the station um, between the people in the building and outside the building. Um and then, obviously, producer, I'm, I'm putting together shows daily, weekly. Um, and then I've had a chance to work on some cool story series as well. So um, I produce right now uh, bi-weekly with Doug Tratner, who is the – he's, like, a renowned, like, food critic. He writes the cookbooks for Michael Simon. So he's, like, he's awesome. Wow. And, yeah, and – I knew about him. I had been following his work for a while when the station was like, Hey, like we're going to hire him. We think, and like, would you want to do that? I was like, um, yeah. So, and we get to, you know, do fun stuff, go to new restaurants, try new food. I mean, and he's just so, I, I always feel like I could pick his brain for hours. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey, but it's always changing. Like I definitely don't feel like I'm in a place that I'm going to be at for a while now. Like I know that there's still more to come too. Well, that's, that's incredible. Just, <laughs> so early in your life, being able to get that dream, to fulfill that dream, and still have so much yeah. more to look forward to afterwards. I mean, I think that's such a, that's such an awesome story. I mean, personally, it's like, and and maybe Coach Chaddock's the same, but you know, personally, I'm still trying to get to my dream, and it's like, it's it's pretty cool when you can achieve it and know, hey, there's still so much more out there for me. I wanted to kind of dive into tv production and it sounds like that's something that you've always had a, a, a desire for kind of a passion for and i wanted to ask you what where where does that fire come from and like kind of you know our, our mantra here is drive and it's hashtag drive and it's uh, determination um rigor uh in uh 
my goodness, inspiration, victory, and excellence. <laughs> and we kind of just kind of live by that mantra. And it sounds like you definitely have those sort of attributes for TV production. So I wanted to ask you, where does that fire and desire come from for TV production in you? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, I guess, like I said, like, I didn't really, I don't, I never felt like, um, once I got, I guess I'll say this, like once I got into television, when I discovered it in college, it was probably one of the literal first times in my life that I felt like, oh my gosh, like I like this and I know what I'm doing. Like, I feel like I'm good at this. And that was like a really incredible feeling. I mean, and then I made so many great friends in journalism and so many connections that I still have. Um, and like, I just went through a phase of my life where I was really feeling for, like I said, for one of the first times, like things were, were clicking and so that has always stuck with me um like i hold on to that pretty tight um and i am happy about that and then i just feel a huge responsibility to help tell stories in my community i mean especially now that i live where i grew up you know live and work here um i just have always wanted to tell i love telling fun stories love doing restaurant stories and stuff like that but for me like it's just, in, I want it to be more than just my, you know, day job. I want it to be more than just like reporting the big headlines of the day. I like want to, you know, be a part of something bigger than myself. And I feel like journalism gives me that chance because it's also opened my eyes to so much that I was uneducated about before I got into the business. And um, so I feel grateful for that. And I hope that I can kind of be a voice for anyone else that maybe doesn't see things the same that if they're watching what I'm doing or just the integrity of our station, that they kind of learn something too. And at the same time, like giving somebody a platform that um, is doing something great that people just don't know about, or that they just haven't had the chance to really get out there and, and say, I mean, I love telling stories about things in Cleveland that unless you are in the city, like literally, you know, on the ground in the city doing a work, you wouldn't know. Um, because Cleveland is so, it's been really cool to live here as an adult now and see all these things that I had never known about it, the city before. You know, I just came to baseball and basketball games with my parents. And <laughs> sometimes we went to dinner downtown, but like, I never really truly got to see Cleveland for what it is. And now that I do, like, um, there's so many great people trying to do good work. And Cleveland has a strange kind of like complex, if you want to say, you know, like, we have so much great opportunity and so much room to grow, but um, I think it kind of deals with this issue of we get, we get caught up in like, well, I don't know if we, this can be possible. Or like, I, I don't, I don't know. We, I, I just think we have this comp like big, small city complex, if that makes sense. And we want to do what the bigger cities are doing, but we kind of like bite off more than we can chew and it never happens. Or we think that, you know, some of these great things, like even when it comes down to just like the pandemic, I mean, the restaurants wanted to open outdoor dining spaces and like kind of shut off some of these streets that would be greater on here to become, um, to become like streets that you can only, you know, walk on and not, and not drive. And that was like impossible to get off the ground, but it's a cool concept. It would have helped the local businesses. And so I love helping to tell stories about local businesses trying to keep this, themselves afloat or people that are, you know, make like a solution to real change in the city because i think that in the end like that's what's going to really carry um cleveland forward and um i somebody i was listening to this this interview and someone was saying that we're in a pandemic of complacency um mm. where you know like 
it's it's a it's just you sometimes you just get caught up in your ways and in the city in Cleveland we just are lazy about some things and so the people that are doing really great stuff is are is what keeps me going definitely a passion of mine telling those kinds of stories amen to the passion that you bring to the table on this because i will be the first to say that when p and i went through this and came up with drive mm -hmm. we came up with drive because it meant something to us yeah and and i am someone and and i know you you've mentioned that you you've listened to the podcast a little bit and i don't know if you heard me go on one of my tangents or not i always go on on these tangents about having a passion for the work you do and if you don't have a passion then you need to figure something out because when we yeah. had when we hit our passion, we hit our drive. We are going to be able to light a fire in other people, and we're going to be able to really create some wonderful things, build some great teams, develop people, and really supply um, services to a community. Right. And you just you just hit it. You just hit it right there. I love that because <laughs> your your passion was evident as you went through that, and and what it means to you to tell the story because you're telling a story. You're mm. absolutely telling the story, and and I do. I want to put you semi on the spot with this one since I just moved back here. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make you pick a singular entity because <laughs> that wouldn't be, that would not be okay in my eyes. I don't okay. want to put you on the spot like that. I love food. I love to eat. I eat too much. Mm -hmm. What would be like a top, you know, Hey, these are three places maybe in the last handful of months that you've covered that you say oh these three and i'm just saying the last couple months i'm not going to put yeah, anything I, on the spot for the last couple years <laughs> um man like i just yeah all these things are like coming in my head right now um i mean and i could go on a bunch of different tangents but i will say if i had to pick three places so yeah i love to support businesses and, and you know eat where i eat out where i can trying to like it's a it's like literally a social hobby of mine is going and trying new restaurants um I, I just like don't know why this is coming to mind but it's in the area one of the last like great ex dining experiences i had from like the food to the atmosphere um it was very different i felt for cleveland was um my gosh now i'm trying to remember the name of it, it but it's a <laughs> of course now i can't remember but it's a winery out in like Chagrin Falls. Um, and it feels like you, uh, it's called uh, Blue Sapphire, I believe, or Sapphire Creek. That's what it is. Sapphire Creek Winery. Um, the outdoor dining spot they have, like, it feels like you're dining like in the trees. It's really, really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, cause the, it's, it's like elevated, but it, there's a bunch of greenery and large trees around you. So it's just really great. And I am a wine drinker. So, I loved that. We went there for my birthday, like uh, probably already like two years ago. Um, but that was really cool. One of the things I experienced in the pandemic that I loved is called Zoma Ethiopian, which Doug um, turned me on to. It is just like this awesome Ethiopian restaurant in Cleveland Heights. Um, and like, you know, I learned about the owner's story and he came here on a, on a um, immigration visa and started driving around for uber to get the experience and all of the land um of the area and once he had that he decided to open this business he still runs his own like taxi service and he was just like really he was really cool wow. to talk to and they have this thing called injera so injera is a um ethiopian like bread but it's almost like uh the texture is spongy the taste is like sourdough 
but it, it's it's like almost kind of like a, a wrap in terms of like it's it's like a flatter bread that you use to scoop up the food with. It was just crazy. And I loved it. I got takeout. But obviously, I feel like to have that sit down experience where you're like eating with your hands in a communal aspect would have been really cool. So I'm looking forward to that whenever that is able to happen again. Um, and then I'm trying to think of just like one of my favorites around here. Um yeah, because I have, I have so many, it's hard. <laughs> but one of the new pizza places, so I just moved into a new place as well. I moved into my first house. And um, one of the pizza places around there that I like keep wanting to get all the time is called Camella's Pizza Bazaar. It's been there for a long, long time, and it's just fantastic. Oh, I'll name another like old-time favorite, too. So one of my favorite burger in all of Northeast Ohio was from Eddie's Grill in Geneva. Eddie's that's Grill. Like, yes. And like Geneva on the, the lake, like right on the strip there. I oh, love man. that area. Yeah. Like that grill there is old. It's very old, very seasoned. They just make the burgers right. And I've been eating there since I was a kid. So like my grandparents used to take me there. My sister used to work at the DQ there. So um, it's a nostalgic place. And I really, truly believe it's just a great burger. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Awesome. I'm uh, booking flights to Ohio right now. I just... <laughs> <laughs> getting really hungry over Great. here <laughs> and yeah you just you'll be like you you won't you'll sleep for like five days well, i'm afterwards. sure working with uh doug tratner i mean i'm sure that's just a probably really opened up your eyes and experiences to a bunch of yeah. new and awesome um cuisines i mean that's just that's probably an incredible experience yeah it really is and like i said it was like eating out was a hobby of mine already. Um, <laughs> so to be able to like incorporate that into work is so cool. And That's like amazing. I said, I love telling stories about people doing good things like community work or community service or advocacy or like a, a, a culture that you didn't know about a cultural aspect you didn't know about, but like also that I, it's part of my job to talk about food. Like it's so cool. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm seriously jealous right now. No <laughs> kidding. Thanks. If you need a partner, <laughs> an intern, coworker, anything, I will work for free. Yeah, right. All right. All right. We'll just have to ship you guys some food. The next like great thing I'll remember. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is that is awesome. And you know, let's just shoot out right now to Southwest Airlines. We are available. Uh, yeah. If if you are wanting to sponsor the show, Southwest <laughs> Airlines. Yeah, uh, you know, we can get Coach P a trip to Ohio. <laughs> there you go. I also, if if not Southwest, I heard that United has like a whole Corona plan. Like they're planning on doing like rapid COVID testing before you even get on the plane. So oh. like, if that feels more comfortable for you, Coach, like you know, we can do that as well. Right. Any any airlines except Spirit because like I don't want you. I, I, like <laughs> yeah, anyone listening. Feel free. <laughs> if, if Spirit has a has a COVID plan for their flights, um, you know that that means their stock's going up. My goodness, <laughs> I doubt they do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Megan. I have waited as long as I can. <laughs> okay. I I have you you got me on food, so I was cool for a little while. I have waited <laughs> as long as I can. We have got to dive in to to this topic of three time Emmy award winning. <laughs> um, producer we have got to dive into this i can't wait anymore because okay. i i am just going to guess mm -hmm. the amazing amount of of work 
and and drive that you have to have to get to this. So if you could start us off, just set set the platform for us before we yeah. dive too deep. What does it mean in the world of production to win an Emmy? So, okay. So I'll honestly say like, I mean, winning an Emmy is, is great. I definitely put it on my resume. Like definitely, you know, have the Emmys displayed nicely at the house, <laughs> but there's a lot of other tiered awards that you could win. Like you could win an Edward R. Murrow award. You could win an AP award. And then all of the cities that you live in have their, you know, like journalism clubs and you can win those awards. So there's a ton of, awards to, to go around absolutely um frankly it's all of them are coveted um but the emmys are actually pretty popular i will just say because it's like an open a, a nomination process every year like you always know it's coming you always know you can submit and um so those are kind and, and the stations will often remind their team like hey this is coming up and some of the stuff the station will be like we are this on behalf of the station we want to submit this so like you know just are you going to go in on it or not um so it but i mean i say that and every time i like submit at least like the last time i did because it was the third time i was kind of like yeah right like we'll see what happens but it's the same it definitely is the same thrill and the same like feeling of an, an accomplishment when you win i mean it's, it doesn't go away um so i it, it's always it's always really great and um yeah i mean you just feel a sense of pride with your team when when you've accomplished that for sure and and i think that it helps with yeah like knowing that people at the station can trust you and knowing that there's some leadership there with the people that you've won that that award with so that definitely is is always there that's that's awesome, and you know the thing I want I want to even dive into a little bit further is you know you said you said the feeling was mm -hmm. was the same each time. The first time though, there had to be something a little <laughs> more special. Definitely. Um, so and I mean, so I'll like go into you know what I won all three for. So the first one was um, the. I don't know if you guys remember this at all. Um, and coach Jason, I feel like maybe you weren't in Ohio at the time, but we had that guy that went on Facebook live on Easter Sunday and was like saying that he was going to, you know, kill these people on Facebook live. And um, then he ended up killing a man. And then like Facebook rolled out all these changes because you can't just like go on live and, and literally kill somebody on Facebook live. And um, we were just in the national spotlight. And then there was a manhunt for him for like two days and that was the first day, I, the first thing I won for. And I had, when I won that award, I had been working at the station for like two, three weeks, maybe. Like oh, nine. wow. Yeah. And then um, the second one was a crazy, uh, and that if the first one I won for our assignment editor, that was my title. So I was, you know, sitting at the desk that day, like hearing about it, scan the police scanners are going crazy. Um, the second award was as producer, I produced some, a breaking news show for a house explosion in East Cleveland out here that just like leveled a whole block of houses. Wow. Um, we were just getting phone calls all of a sudden that was like, you gotta come out here, it's really crazy. We were hearing possible like multiple fatalities. And so like, we just kind of went, you know, um, right on the ground right away. Both both those awards like covered was just, you know, I've, the team was just so dedicated and, and turned around for whatever else we were doing at, in a drop of a hat. The third one um, was for our coverage of the Dayton shooting, um, which obviously, like, I don't even think I have to really explain that. It was just such a crazy 
day in Ohio and weekend with the shooting right before it in El Paso. So it was, um, that was a long weekend. It was a hard weekend. It was just really emotional and, um, funny how like you know back then we were like the governor was there and so it felt so big and now we see him on tv every week um but you know every like day almost yeah it was but it was really it was truly you know a, a great a crazy moment and there were so many lives lost so that was special as well um but yeah i mean the first time so like i said i don't i had not been working there that long i kind of had an interest in doing our assignment desk from my last station like i mentioned um and so when I got the job at, at KYC, I was doing the desk on the weekends and then helping to fill and produce during the week. And um, just to like win that award for that role. And we just, man, like we worked so hard that day. I was new. Uh, the producer that did that show was just, he's incredible. And he, I don't think he gives himself enough credit. So shout out to Vince because he's great. And um I don't know, just the two of us working together where we let off a great show and then that led to national coverage. Like that was so special. It it just, especially for that life that was lost, it just was so senseless, so terrible. And um, so it, it meant so many things and the awards were in Indianapolis and we still flew out there, like still went to the awards ceremony um, and a couple of their stations submitted for the same coverage of the same day. Um, so for us to win that just it felt really great and I think that was Vince's first Emmy um, and he's been in the business way longer than me so um, yeah no that and like yeah everyone's texting you like you won an Emmy like what and it was like yeah I did and they're the same it's the same award that you like that you know when you watch the Emmys on TV it's the same award um, pretty heavy like it's, it's it, and they give it to you then that that night with your name on it and everything so it felt very surreal it was really crazy um and then the second one was great because I won that for my producer title um and we didn't have any reporters at the station at the time that it happened so we sent out one photographer and he just really kicked ass like he went and got in for information interviews video like everything and we had two reporters that day which is rare on a weekend um and the only reason we did was because we had a brand new reporter that weekend and he was oh. going to be shadowing the other one so like we we were like you know dealing with bare minimum and we still pulled off an incredible show we we sent our um one of our anchors out there he anchored the whole show from there it was and just like again for the city of east cleveland that literally i guarantee if you go on that street right now it still looks that way because the city is very neglected before this pandemic it was the number one city in the state of ohio um for like poor connection i guess what i'm trying to say is the number one city in all of ohio for um the most kids without internet in their like school district and in the city. Um, so bridging that digital divide in that city has been very hard and very um, interesting to, to kind of keep up on. Um, so it's, it, it just, there, a lot more needs to be done there. So, you know, it, it meant a lot that we could sh- kind of showcase what was happening there. Um, and then this third one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't going to submit anything this past year, but then they the station was like, well, we want to submit the, the date and day, and like you have to be part of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I helped submit one for um, my sports reporter, Nick Camino, who did a great piece on Fred McLeod 
who passed away this past year and that one didn't even get nominated. And I'm so bummed because he should have definitely gotten it. He did an incredible job that night. Um, and then I also submitted one. It, it's funny. Like once you win a couple or once you win anything, I think your goals change, right? Like you're like, what can I do next? What is, what can I do again? And um, my goal was to win something for like a story that I produced, not necessarily a show, not the assignment editor job, but a story that I produced that I came up with, you know, thought of from the ground up. And um, I was brought on to this digital series that we did at the station called Hard Work in Cleveland. Um, we have a great photographer here named Matt Frieden, who has just like such dedication to his work. Um, and he was like, was shooting those and our digital director at the station, Denise was like, you know, tap me to help produce them. And I was just like, yeah, I'd love to do these. And we just told some great stories again about people that you would never know otherwise, or that people do know about, but it's just not on television. And those people are doing such wonderful things and, and they make people happy and I've overcome a lot of great things. So uh, every week we are interviewing those people and, and turning that for our website and it got a nomination and I like could have cried. It was just, our, it was our baby. So that would have been great to win. Um, so that's kind of still my goal. I mean, I would love to win something for something like that, uh, I think in the future, but yeah, the first one, it just doesn't compare. It, it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, you know, two things that I take out of that is mm -hmm. we always talk about on the show when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. Yeah. For and, sure. and I mean, my goodness, you just stole the, <laughs> stole the show on that one, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think people think, you know, like I said, I would love to win an award for something that I knew from the like beginning, like I want this for this. But those moments, like, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm going to make this show great for the Emmy. Like, you're in breaking news. You just got to do it. Like, you just got to do the thing. And then later, you're like, oh, that might win something, you know? So, yeah, definitely exactly what you just said. And the second thing is you you got to love the process. Yeah. You got to trust the process. You got to love the process. And, and, you know, Urban Meyer used to always, you know, say about the journey. You know, you, you got you to get on board for the journey and you just never know what's going to happen along the way. And right. you've had some incredible opportunities that have opened up. This is awesome. Cause I mean, obviously I don't know any of the backstory <laughs> behind this stuff. Yeah. Um, there was the Facebook thing. I remember my family, I was in Colorado at the time mm -hmm. and my family was just sending me all sorts of text messages. Cause everybody was obviously extremely concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? That night, like every police scanner that we had was like, Cause I think he had a white sedan um, and people were like, the scanner was like, Oh, there was possible gun shots fired over here. So we're just going to go and make sure there's not a white sedan over here. Like everyone was paying attention to whether he was in the city. And then there were so many rumors about where he could be. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. What a crazy experience. Yeah. I, I wonder, and, and, and speak, I, I, you said breaking news and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm always been curious about that. Like, <laughs> it, it's I, I compared to almost just chaos and like the ER at a hospital and like <laughs> it, it, and so I, if you don't mind like tell us a little bit about like being a part of like production and breaking news and what that's kind of like yeah. a little bit because I'm sure it's just I mean when you see breaking news I know the audience is like oh my gosh what's happening but to put that on and obviously it's kind of like on the spot you know it's got to mm -hmm. be a little bit chaotic 
It definitely is. And it has been like more than ever right now. I mean, you know, there's breaking news after breaking news after breaking news lately. Um, Like, for instance, I worked on my off day the day that the president had was announced that he had COVID. Like, and that's just like, I will say there's a huge difference between like one story that is breaking news and something that's going to dominate your show. You know, like it's just your show is now all about that. Um, And you usually can break the determination pretty quickly. So same with the president is pretty much the whole show. Like it was most of the show Um, that day of the shooting. It was like, or the house explosion while the shooting, the shooting was just days and days and days of coverage, but the house explosion was like, okay, yeah, like let's just, let's go all out on this. Um, Sometimes it's like, oh, there's a story that's just breaking like on the local level. And so, you know, that, you can put your reporter on it and they'll probably follow it for a few days, but you definitely can make that decisive decision about like, no, this is a big deal. Um, all of those things were huge, big deals, Dayton shooting, everything. And what always is incredible to me is how like all of our journalism minds just click. And you know that like you there's, it's an instinct that I don't really know. You can teach someone and trust me, like I've met being with people in the business that they don't have that instinct. Like they're not, they just aren't part of the, They're not going to make it in the business. Um, and so, and I, I think I just, it's like I said, I don't think I give myself enough credit. And I'm like, once I see someone that's not like that, I, I'm just like, wait, what do you mean? Like, I thought this was just a thing that people had, but no, it's, it's something that, you know, a few people that are meant for the business can, can adapt to. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just make a decision quickly. You, you kind of are able to lay out, it, it's, it depends on the information, like the information that you're able to get is very important to plan your coverage for sure. Um, and sometimes that means that, you know, you have to put on a show in a few hours, but you have to wait for that information to be confirmed and then you have less time to do it. And that's extra crazy. But uh, you, even in breaking news, you always want to be correct. You know, like that's one thing a mantra in the business is, um, would you rather be first or would you rather be right? Mm-hmm. And I think, a lot of the world saw that on display with the when Kobe Bryant died Absolutely. because there was a station that killed his whole family. Mm-hmm. And um, similarly, just with Vanessa Bryant with all these lawsuits about like, you shouldn't have just put all this stuff out there just because he's a national international figure. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, was not signed off by me was not okay. And so um, always right. Always be right. If you can be first, great. But, absolutely you have to be correct you don't want to put anyone's life in danger and you don't want to um give information misinformation to the public it's so important it's so funny you mentioned exactly that because i was just gonna Gonna, my little follow-up was literally going to be about being correct and and that same exact example i was going to bring because it's so true is is you know, I like, would you rather be first or would you rather be right? And I think if you if you say the second answer, I think you're in a good place because so many times, yeah. you know, you just have misinformation get out there. And I think the mo- biggest thing it hurts is, is the people that you're talking about because then whether it's right or wrong, I feel like sometimes it, that can that, then it can sometimes turn into the narrative, um, right. even if it's wrong. And just because you got that information out there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's probably especially waiting for confirmation is probably a crazy crazy part of things but yeah i'm I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that because that's that's for sure what i look for is being right you know especially nowadays with bias unbiased whatever that you know whatever the heck it is whatever sources you have it's yeah yeah it's it's crazy so megan one of the things that that i really want to touch base on 
is something I saw, and I, I cannot remember how long ago this was. I, I absolutely know it was quite a bit of time ago because I lived in Colorado at the time. Uh-huh. And I swear it was a like a Sunday morning. I'm flipping through Twitter and saw some stuff you had you had posted. Um, and, and this is it was about females in the media industry. And this is particularly a, a big thing for me because I'm raising a daughter. I have an 11 year old girl at home and she's active in sports. She's active in, in social mm-hmm. environments. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I want to be able to be there for her as, as a father and be able to encourage her and, and develop her. And you had, you had posted a comment on there. Someone, I think someone else had posted and you might've been responding to it. Uh-huh. Um, in regards to a leader at some point in your journey suggesting that you should be on the other end of the camera uh, because you had the face for it. And obviously you've chosen to be at the back end of the camera at this point in, in your career and, and you're very happy in that realm and, and you love the work that you do. Currently, we see so many things on social media right now. Um, obviously, a lot of them regarding women in the media and uh, particularly particular criticism they're facing in a lot of cases it's from their their colleagues who are men and there's a lot of negativity posted um, in regards uh, very specifically because of pictures uh, some of these women are posting they may be highlighting their looks mm-hmm. versus you know the fact that these women want to be respected for the work that they're doing right. and they don't want to be judged on on the, the picture they're posting so to speak and I really want to dive into this to learn more about, uh, you know, what what is what is it like to be a female in the media industry and try to work through some of these stereotypes and develop that respect for the work and the content? Because I can tell you very confidently, because I'm not going to mention names here of people. There are people that I follow, whether it's on social media or watching them on TV, who I think do a fantastic job. Right. And then to watch these same people be criticized and be told, you only got your job because of your looks, or you only got your job because of this or that. Like, it breaks my heart to see it. And I don't even know these people. I've literally never talked to them. Maybe I've even responded to a tweet and they've never even liked what I responded with. And uh, so what's it like? And, and what's that journey for a female in the media industry? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And I kind of definitely have taken that on as a platform that I'm you know, passionate about talking about because it, I will say like, you're talking about other people in the industry that have said that to me, but the reason that I honestly feel that way is because I've had my own like family and friends say that to me and I'm just, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like literally, I mean, or strangers, like I don't, most journalists will tell you that they don't honestly love like outwardly just sit in a social setting with someone they don't know saying that they work for a TV station because it opens a can of worms, you know, like everyone wants to know, about so-and-so at the station and what is actually going on behind the scenes and whatever. Um, so that, and that's, but this is another part of it. You know, once you say that, it's always like, everyone assumes that I'm a reporter. Um, I actually have had people like, I'm like, yeah, I work for channel three. And they're like, Oh yeah, you look really familiar. I'm like, no, I don't like, I, <laughs> you're get you're wrong. <laughs> like You are just wrong. And, um, yeah, it kind of hit me at some point where I was like, why does it's the, I think it's just that there's no follow up. There's no like, oh, cool. Well, tell me what you do as a producer. You know, like it's always just kind of like, you're not a reporter. Like, what do you do? And um, frankly, like, it, I can understand that it comes from a place of just not understanding how news works, but it's kind of like 
you know, like it's like anything else. There's people behind the scenes doing a lot of great stuff too. Um, and I think there's just a huge, for it's kind of funny how it's layered where there's a huge assuming that and if you're a woman, you were, you're on television, you're, you know, you're on in front of the camera and, and that I guess it's all men that are ugly that are behind the camera. Um, but then at the same time, like you said, then you're like a woman and you're being criticized. You're on television telling an important story and someone sends our reporters an email like that dress was ugly on you today. And it's just like, you oh, know, wow. it's hard some days to, to work through all of that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Um, and it even comes down to like, then you're out in the field and somebody comments on how you look or something. I, I can't tell you how many interviews I've been on where like after the interview, a man has tried to like slide me his phone number. And it's kind of like, Hey, this is a professional setting. I didn't come here to get your number. I came here to like tell a story today, and that's not my concern. Um, you know, just it, really, truly, if you're interested, find another time to, to to say something. I just I don't professionally feel like that's um, a good thing to do. So it, it there's a lot of different ways that first of all, as a woman, you're identified in the news business for sure. Um, and like you said, it does come down to even like within the business itself. Um, but like I said, also, I, I just try and really stand up for people that are behind the scenes because there's so many different people and we're all important. And, you you know, we're a great, we make up what the station really is. I mean, if it was just reporters and anchors coming into the building, I can, I won't go to in too much detail. They're all very talented people, but the show probably would not be on the air. Like, <laughs> they would be standing there talking to themselves, reading the news. Like, um, and then people are always interested to learn that, like, oh no, like the anchors didn't write that. You know, like I wrote that. I'm the producer. Like I wrote that for them to say they had the final say on it. They probably helped suggest the story, how we should tell it, all those great things. Like Russ Mitchell is an incredible person and anchor at our station. He's definitely a role model for me. And he um, often suggests things, but like, you know, I write the story and then he'll go in and and finally approve it before it ever makes air. But um, yeah, you know, we're the ones that are doing a lot of the groundwork all the time. And to, to, there's just days where I'm, I write until like, you know, I can't write anymore. Like I literally just, my brain turns to mush. And for someone to just say like, oh, well, shouldn't you be like on television? It's like, you know, it just feels, it feels very undermining. And then on top of it, yeah, being a woman in the business is, is definitely hard from internally and externally for sure. It's kind of crazy to think about, you know, if if you're behind the scenes, it's like, I don't know, people just, it's the assumption. It's the straight assumption that you're supposed to be on the screen because of your looks and that therefore you'd be good at it. But then it's almost like, oh, because you're not on the front of the screen, people think yeah. maybe you're not as good behind the scenes. And it's like, no, I'm actually pretty good at what I do already i don't need to be in front of the screen and that's where it's just that disconnect i feel like is there it's just it's 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 can be disturbing sometimes well and my first like i mentioned my first offer was in kansas and the station was like i I just told you guys all about why i didn't take that job but it was an on-air job um and i that's when i also realized like 
if I go behind the scenes, I could probably move up faster. I can make more money faster. I can be near my family faster. Like when you're a reporter and you start small, I mean, you're jumping, a lot of times you're jumping around to other cities as they get, the cities get bigger and bigger so that you can continue, you know, your career and further it. And so that's like why I just chose to be behind the scenes. And the day of a reporter is hard. I mean, it's like, again, especially as a woman, because you're expected to dress up, you're expected to look nice. Um, so like, wearing heels all day and maybe you get called to breaking news and those are the that's the only outfit you decided to wear that day because you were just like stupid and you know then you're you're out you're uncomfortable you're in a situation that could be dangerous and then you probably haven't eaten all day and you might be in a like city that's far away so those plans that you had that evening are going to be canceled or delayed because you have to do your job and then you have to go home at the end of the day and so it's there's so much and I give so much credit to our reporters because they have a hard it, it, there's so much physical like in life demand that comes from that job that people don't realize either so I also enjoy like sitting in the station most days and wearing what I kind of want to wear and like not being out in the field all the time being able to finish my show and go home and um those are privileges that you get when you're behind the scenes for sure. And at the same time, that doesn't make your role less important just because you're not dressed up in front of the camera. And that's, that's, I think what people kind of are blind to is, is, is it, there's so much to that process. And, you know, my mom got me into this is why watching movies, you know, watching the credits and just kind of just taking in how many people are involved in just this simple little couple hours that you took to watch this movie. It seems so easy to watch, but it's so much to go that goes into it. And the same thing with any sitcom or any 30 minute TV show, they show all the names of the people involved. And, and it seems so, um, it, it just, we kind of ignore it because it's just words on a screen, but, um, you know, it's funny you say like, even though, you know, you want to get, be comfortable and sometimes you can kind of get away with that. Your role is still extremely important. And without you being there, um, that the show wouldn't go on. And that's where I think people, um, kind of have, you know, should maybe open their eyes a little bit more about, especially in the TV production world. Cause f for me, I'm so interested always in the behind the scenes of how the heck do they do this? Like, I just don't, I mean, it's just so interesting. It seems so easy, but there's just so much involved. So. Oh, um, there's a really hot music group called Chloe and Hallie. I don't know if you guys are familiar, Jason, if your daughters listen at all, but they're like protégés of Beyonce. They're great. I love them. And they have been in a couple of these award shows and have literally turned their like tennis court in their house in their backyard into their like production stage. And they've done a lot of great things and people are like, you know, praising them on, on Twitter. And I like totally agree. Like they're awesome. But I made a point to say, like, you know, this their production team must be so good because, like, to turn that normal space into, like, something for national television, like, that's really incredible. And I hope that those people get, you know, just as much credit as, as they do. No, that's 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 amazing. And I'm I'm really glad we that got to touch you. on that that point. It's 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 definitely something I we see it in the news recently with there was a incident with that reporter Maria Taylor on ESPN who. Um, you know, it's uh, another, and it wasn't necessarily a direct colleague of hers, but a radio host of some sort made an inappropriate tweet about the way she looked. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I just think you see too much, um, you see too much of that. And at least I'm glad that um, I think it was a general consensus of like, yeah, you can't be saying that. And that's just not inappropriate. And, it, and he ended up losing his job. And, and I think that's, 
that's probably the right right move to happen there but it just happens too much and in the social media world you just see it it's just it seems too easy for people just to type and press a button and just be like yep whatever and um it's just you know th- it's it's we always say think before you speak and i think it goes without a doubt that it's the same meaning when you're saying it when you talk about tweeting or f- updating a facebook status or posting something on instagram it's it goes same way as you got to think before you post we have people that go as far as to send an email. So, yeah, I agree. And I'm kind of like never in the process of sending the email that you not think like maybe I shouldn't send this. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, we get that in the coaching world um, ourselves with emails about this, that, and the other two. So <laughs> people people that think they could do someone else's job, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you really think you could just quit your job today, walk into that new space, and you would be good at it? Like you, you want to like – you know, telling these large people what to do and like they think that they're better than you. Like, yeah, okay, go ahead. I, I would never want that job. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to move on to our probably my favorite. We we ask every you know we we start off with your journey and we always love to end with the, with my favorite question and and um it 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 has to do with kind of the inspirational leaders in your life and and who those inspirational leaders are and. And how the influence kind of molded you today, um, and you know, feel free to name as many as you want because I know for me, I could go on and on for the people that have influenced my life. But who are definitely the most uh, inspirational people that have kind of, you know, molded who you are and kind of, um, you know, kind of pushed you to become um, better than you can imagine being? Yeah. Um... Well, definitely, like you said, a lot of people, um, and I think everyone kind of starts here, but my mom and dad are obviously a huge influence on me. Um, my, both of them have like incredible work ethics and they are just hard workers who have, you know, really built up their lives, what they are now, totally different from what they had growing up. And, um, my mom is a little bit of a stickler on me. Sometimes we don't always see eye to eye about a lot of things. Um, but she's still like the person I go to when something happens and she still knows probably like a lot about me more than most people. And, um, she's, even though she gives me tough love, she it always inspires me to be better and do something even better with my next opportunity and my next thought process, even, you know, how am I going to approach this tomorrow morning? Um, and when it's same, when I think about my dad and the things that he's been through and what he's done with his life, it's the same thoughts, just, you know, I can't let that go to waste the life that they've provided me. So parents are definitely a huge influence. Uh, and they just are so proud of me. Like, it's still like day one when my mom talks about me being in television. Like, she still <laughs> thinks it's so cool. And that's always very sweet. Um, and then um, I have a I had a friend growing up. Um, she was kind of like a mentor to me. Um, her name was Becca. And she... Uh, kind of like came into my life while I was becoming a young teenager, figuring things out, you know, all these new emotions, new feelings, new experiences. And she was really great for me and a couple of the girls at on my church growing up. And she passed away from cancer when I was like 13. Um, she'd been battling cancer for a few years and um, she uh, just being at her funeral. Like I never, it was probably one of the first real big funerals I've you know been to, but like, Seeing so many people there, uh, I just knew she touched so many. She touched my life a lot. She was a very caring person. Um, and just just feel like that love in the room that people had for her. And that so many people really, truly 
loved her for the things that she did and who she was. Like, I just has always made me think about like, how am I going to leave my legacy? You know, how how are people, how am I going to leave people when my time is over here? Like that's always stuck with me. Um, And I think it's just that at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, And then but just like, I mean, tell in tel- the television world, I definitely have a couple, you know, um, favorites. Um, I loved watching like um, Ann Courier growing up. She on the Today Show, she was awesome. Um, loved her so much. Same with like Katie Couric. Um, and a lot of women in media were definitely some big influences on me growing up. Uh, it was just really special. Um, and then Lately, um, so I volunteer with a group of kids um, who are actually African refugee kids that live on Cleveland's West Side. And the work that I have done with them and our organization's founder, um, her name's Becky, like, it just really inspired me to look at the world differently. Um, you know, how you approach nonprofit work, how you approach someone that's different than you, how you even approach, like, fixing an issue. Are you just, are you just like, putting the Band-Aid over something? Or are you creating a solution um so they've just and like outside of you know my professional world it's definitely seeped into it but just overall in life like they've inspired me all the time so I have a lot of great people in my life that I'm really grateful for but those are kind of the ones that kind of come top of mind that's awesome that's a great group of people and um I always just love hearing the people that you know I would be nowhere without the people in my life Um, so I just, I love to hear about other people's journeys and stories behind that. My last question for you, Megan, and then you can enjoy your evening, um, is I was, you know, we, we talked about, um, something on your Twitter account that you posted and what stood out to me was your Twitter banner picture. And it is, seems like it's a, a studio picture. It has a chocolate cupcake and a glass of some bubbly. And I'm wondering, <laughs> is that one of the celebrations for one of the Emmys that was won? Or is this a different story? I kind of want to know the background behind that picture. Cause it's a sweet picture, but I'm like, that looks, there's a story behind that. I know there is. Yeah. We, um, the station celebrated 75 years, uh, last two years ago probably already it's crazy um and we had a really fun week we brought in a bunch of old talent from the station that you know old anchors and faces that people have loved on television on channel three for years um and we capped it off with a really fun celebration uh, just like station-wide and um yeah it was just like i was like oh you know what like this would be a cool picture and i was updating you know my bio uh, and was just uh deciding to give some more pictures to it and some a fresh look and that's one that I chose but I'm glad that you bring it up um my photo on there my my actual like Avi um was taken by a photographer that I met his wife at an event um and he, like I was just like why do you look so familiar I don't know why you look familiar and I I still don't know why I must have run into her somewhere but she was like well my husband takes great photos and um you I don't know. He takes them of me sometimes, so maybe you've seen them. Um, and I hadn't, but I was at that time looking for a new, some new professional headshots. And um, we clicked, and like he came to the station and took just such great photos. And I loved the ones that he took in the newsroom or in this, the control room where I actually put the shows on the air because that's where we do the thing. And um, he, he, we, he was like, I would love to shoot more with you. And, and it just opened my level of like creativity and, and my level of comfort. Like I had never done something like, you know, modeling for photo shoots before. 
and it was so much fun and it really like up my self-respect for myself um he passed away a few months ago unexpectedly so now with the photos that I do have that I use on my professional pages are special because they're um you know remind me of him so uh yeah some good stories behind both of those photos for sure Oh wow, that's amazing! I'm glad I asked. That's uh, that's an amazing special story. That's that's great, um, Megan. It was it was awesome having a conversation with you. I we really appreciate you joining us um, and taking time out. I mean, I definitely learned a lot about um, you know the TV production world and all that. And then it was it was an honor to have someone of your caliber on the show uh, to join us. So um, thank you so much for taking the time out, and hope to have you on again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both so much. A big thank you to Megan Gallagher for joining us on the 3rd and 30 podcast. Really eye-opening conversation to have with her. And the first time I've ever spoke to an actual TV producer, let alone an award-winning producer at that. So uh, pretty awesome to speak to her. And I think, uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show to pay attention to a term that she heard um, from someone that told her. And I hope you caught it. But if you didn't, um, I want to talk a little bit about it. And she talked about someone that told her that we're living in a pandemic of complacency and i think we've maybe spoken about this on the show before of of people maybe using times like this to kind of just be uh we'll just wait till everything gets through and if you don't remember we had we spoke to a couple guys who started up elite youth sports the the youth football league and they have just finished their regular season as well as the playoffs and are looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday, pun intended, for their league this coming Sunday um, to finish up the entire season. And talk about a league, and we talked about this, a league that did not be complacent and did not say we're going to wait and pushed in a league to happen and did it the right way, did it the safe way, and here we are finishing up the season. And we, they were able to provide a lot of jobs and opportunities and, and kids were able to play football in a really highly competitive league. And I thought that was amazing. Um, I love that she brought that up, Megan did, the the pandemic of complacency, because I think we are in such a time where people kind of maybe have the ability to use the pandemic as an excuse to not get things done. And I'm not saying that we need to push harder and provide and, and create more risk for what's going on in this pandemic, but there's no reason to work less hard than you already would have before the pandemic now what you're working on might be different but to work less hard and to work not have as strong of a work ethic because of so and so to me it doesn't matter what's going on it's just an excuse and um i and i i that, that stuck to me a lot um you know her her speaking on um kind of being a woman in in in, in the reporting world really stood out to me too and and it's 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 just interesting it's something that coach i'm we we can't we can't be like, yeah, I know how that feels. You know, we can't sit there and, and, and say we know what that's like. And this is something that half of our population has to deal with on a daily basis, on a minute-to-minute -minute basis when you're out and about. You know, women have to deal with this constantly. And it, is, uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a, in a, in a man-dominant role or not. I think they experience these things in any sort of role, in any sort of environment, in any sort of setting um and it, it was it was eye-opening to hear her um talk about that and um kind of the work she does for the community i mean uh, what a what a go-getter and she just keeps herself busy um i love people like that because that's what i do myself and 
and you know with the with the group of african refugees she works with and and she's just she's all over the place and i and i think that's awesome and and being a, an emmy award winning producer on top of that i mean um what what a treat it was to have her on the show coach there's so much to unpack here. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> See, I tried. I tried to make it as short as I could. I hope I did a good job because that could have gone on. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I have about a hundred things I want to say. I'm going to condense it because I know nobody out there wants to listen to me talk for that long. <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to listen to myself talk for that long. And yes, I do listen to our podcast afterwards once they're posted, so that I can really hear what we hear what we're doing, so I can continue to learn and grow. And I, you know, the, the, so many things jump out to me. Like I said, you know, let's not get complacent as a society. I, I can consciously say that March, when when the pandemic really went full bore and we were getting quarantined and and so on and so forth, so from that time till now, I've worked harder than I have at any other time in my life. Hands down, it's not even close. And, you know, talking with Megan, I, I think about a couple things instantly, as you heard through the conversation, when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to mm -hmm. prepare. That came out and that was her telling a story. And that's instantly what I was drawn to is, you know, whether you're two, three weeks on the job or whether it's your first day on the job or whether you've been there for 20 years, you've got to be ready. Uh, everyone's, everyone's on call, so to speak. That really stands out to me. I, you know, it is amazing to win an Emmy, be an Emmy award winning producer, actor, you know, what have you, whatever the case may be. That's amazing in itself. What we don't get as a society and as listeners of the news, we're intaking, intaking, intaking story after story after story. Do we? ever pause for a minute and reflect on what goes into producing that story i don't i know i don't the only time i can i can truly say that i've ever sat back for a minute and said oh my goodness can you imagine what went into that is when i'm seeing something in in my past whether it was from 9 11 or whether it was from um you know desert storm when i was a kid seeing the news coverage overseas obviously during some wars seeing what went on there some of that was pretty scary and i and i think then i consciously said oh my goodness this is really wild imagine what they're going through being there mm -hmm. and you know to hear her story about what went into these three emmys that was an incredible heartfelt story in itself about a story because she's she's giving us her perspective on telling the story and it was amazing i just i love the heart she poured out to us um talking about her parents and what they've meant and her friend i have a 13 year old son so i'm sitting here listening to this story about her friend and her parents and what they meant to her and pouring out her heart like that and and how how they helped her find her vibe. And, and it's clear and evident in the work that she does. She is determined. She's inspired. And yes, I skipped rigor because that's part of it. I wanted to highlight the inspired piece. And, you know, for me, I sit back and look. That excellence that she achieved was by those small victories in the essence of what she was doing for work. 
she epitomizes drive and it was amazing to have her on here to hear to hear what goes on in leadership in production in the in the world of media totally different perspective and you you know i have a new respect in in speaking with her learning from her i have such a new respect for what they do because i'm telling you right now in my work life i don't live on the edge like that hmm. i mean they are living on the edge every day you don't you never know when the news is going to break you literally have no idea <laughs> what are you doing what do you when you go into work this morning i am planning on this and this who knows we'll see you know what my schedule is all day exactly so it, it, beautiful stories that she shared and they're hard stories too because a couple of them she told i specifically remember my family messaging me about the facebook one was definitely scary and and to hear her recite that and what it was like at the other end again heartfelt um so much so much credit to her and the work that she does and i'm here in cleveland now so I'm obviously getting to see stories on the news firsthand now and just amen to all these people that not only are, are putting themselves in danger at times to tell a story. Um, I love the comp she talked about. It's not just being first. It's about being right. Mm -hmm. And how do we produce the correct information to give an accurate story mm -hmm. on this? Because it's so important in football. We talk about, you know, it's not about practice. It's not just about how much you practice. It's about practicing the play correctly. Uh, some people preach per practice. They're, they're sitting in the media saying, we've got to be correct in our information because being correct in our information is going to get us respect in the industry. And it's what it's what's going to get us viewers because they know we're going to produce reliable content. What a business story. What a life story. And, you know, I, I also want to highlight, you know, we're Megan and I are both obviously proud BGSU graduates, Bowling Green State University. Shout out to the Falcons I'm getting, and all the I'm getting outnumbered here. Please. All the Falcon families out there. Um, obviously, I mean, I we found we found Megan got connected with her on social media. So I, I did not know previously. Um, I graduated a long time before she did. I'm an old person now. And, uh, you know, congratulations to Megan and the career path that she's been on. Sky's the limit for her ahead of, of, you know, future. And I'm really excited now to check out some of these restaurants that she also highlighted because I love to eat. We all know that. Um, great life lessons for today. I'm, I'm very inspired by the stories that she told. I, I'm ready to attack the day. No, I, I, I'm so glad you highlighted specifically how she epitomizes drive coach. I think that was I was spot on. Um, it's it's um, it's a true testament. And she's and she's young, you know. I think she's about my age, and and for what she's accomplished through that time, that shows a lot of drive, commitment, focus. Um, that a lot of people don't really figure that out until they're a little older. And I really commend those because I'm trying to I'm trying to master that stuff now. And it took me a while to even apprehend what the heck it all meant and now to put it into play. I mean, it just seemed like she was just had it and pushed with it and rode with it. And I mean, was able to accomplish a dream so soon in her life. So a uh, real privilege to speak with Megan uh, today. And like you said, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to bust through a wall right now and get this. Get this started. I got some homework and some papers to write, and I'm gonna write the heck out of them. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive through it. I can't wait, and I think it's 
it's uh it, it was an honor to talk to megan hey south southwest airlines or united <laughs> airlines double up hook us up hook us up with a sponsorship we got to get coach p out here megan megan i will be your lunch partner to go have a, a review of one of these lunch places or or dinner places so we can sample food and and uh and learn more about the uh the eateries within the northeastern ohio area i'm all in maybe we bring if you in need, if you need a partner maybe we do a little third and 30 on the road and it's just different food foodies along the let's way you know do it <laughs> let's do it hey if you're if you're a restaurant in the northeastern ohio area let us know we will we will go guy fieri style <laughs> i love it well Another episode in the books, uh, another another great one, I'd say. It keeps getting better every single time. Um, a sh- big shout-out to Megan Gallagher uh, for joining us on the show. Coach Chadwick, a pleasure as always. Feel free. if you ha- All the support that we've been getting is fantastic. If you know anyone that – if you or you know uh, anyone you know wants to support, get those in support our way, um, please send us a message on any social media account. Um, find us third and th- at third and thirty podcast. Uh, throw us some love, and um, we'd love to just continue to help grow. I think this is important for anyone. Um, you know, I think uh, we're not trying to show that we know what we're doing here. We're just trying to teach and inform, and I think it's helpful for anyone. Um, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but um, we we tend to we we, we want to be specific in in our goals here, and it's it's about it's about the drive and it always will be um shout out to Dwayne the rock johnson as always for to, uh you know 2020 maybe 2024 now um something i saw i didn't realize this is a little off topic but um actually completely off topic but coach i i didn't notice i mean i knew that kanye west was a big talk but he ended up on the ballot he is on the ballot the very bottom of the presidential i saw his name i got my mail-in ballot uh, the other day and opened it up and Kanye West was on 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 the ballot so um you know wow. um, I'm that's I'll just leave it right at that that's just that he's on the ballot um I'm not going to say whether I think it's a good idea or not but um <laughs> um yeah it's it's uh what a time we live in and we just want to be able to give you the opportunity to to uh to grow and learn something new and maybe you didn't know that about Kanye West you get one little tidbit every nine episodes or so so um throw us a shout Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts wherever you listen to your shows we are on there find us on social media uh that is Coach Jason Chaddock my name is Coach Praveen Machpagata and this is the Third and Thirty Podcast.